On this episode, Kate Perry talks to Craig Talents, one of the consultants who works with RBP. They're going to discuss the current challenges facing GP practices and what partners can do to manage their business within the pressures of the NHS. Accountancy on Prescription by RBP, one of the leading firms of medical specialist accountants. We know what you find tough, but don't you worry, as we know our stuff. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Accountancy on Prescription. Today, I'm joined by Craig Talents, who's one of our consultants. He used to be a partner in a firm of chartered accountants and now works with us advising our clients. Hello, Craig. It's good to have you with us. Morning, Kate. Thank you for asking me to come on the RBP podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the current challenges facing GP practices. Before we start, Craig, perhaps you'd like to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, okay. Like a lot of people, I qualified many years ago as a chartered accountant, and primarily I stayed in practice. I became a partner back in the mid-90s in a couple of firms and specialised in audit accounts, corporate finance, and something called strategic re-engineering, which is effectively sorting stuff out. So I was buying and selling companies for people and then helping to bring them into the group or set them on the right path. In 2007, I had a bit of an opportunity and I left the city rather bizarrely and I became a full-time soldier commanding an army regiment in London, reserve regiment for two and a half years. Then I worked three, four days a week for the chief of general staff and I retired from that in about 2013. And today I work as a non-exec for corporates, for GP practices, and I also do quite a lot of charity work because I'm able to, primarily in the military arena, looking at veterans and that sort of thing. Okay, so considering your background, what are you able to do when you go into, say, one of our clients' practices? I think one of the things that most people don't understand about GP practices is that they believe that when you go to see your GP, you are actually going to see the NHS. They don't understand that what a GP practice is, is a small business. It might be fairly large. It could have, you know, a whole load of partners, but it happens to have a contract to deliver NHS services. So that GP practice has all the inbuilt problems of running a small business, but it has the added handicap that it is obliged to follow NHS rules, which are very prescriptive. So it doesn't have that much freedom of manoeuvre. So in a way, when I go to see GP practices, I treat them as going to see any business that I walk in to talk to, really. They have all the normal problems, but they have a very big difference in that in most businesses I go to see and I, I work with, the people who own the business go to work to run a business. They don't necessarily go to work to do the work that the business does. So the easiest example is the mechanic who many years ago started out in a backstreet garage preparing cars because that's what he was good at. And we morph forward 30 or 40 years. He now owns a big dealership. He's got seven or eight sites. So when he goes to work, he doesn't go to work to prepare cars. He goes to work to run a business that repairs cars. Whereas GPs are really different in that not only are you trying to run a business, you're actually delivering 
the key work that the business does. So you're at the front end, i.e. customer focused, patient focused, and you're at the back end trying to run the business. So I think there are all kinds of similarities to business, but with added complications within the GP arena. So that's quite a challenge, really, for our clients. And of course, all our clients train to be doctors, not train to run a business. And to be honest, a lot of them come in and have no idea of the financial implications of running a business. And of course, the other thing that they also need to be aware of as partners is that they are in a legal partnership and that has its own implications, if you like. So they're in a partnership running a business when actually they're trying to be a doctor. So it is quite a complicated Yeah, I think the issue is obviously, you know, you go off to medical school, you want to be a doctor. So you train to be a doctor, then all of a sudden, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, you're suddenly a partner in a GP practice with all the responsibilities that running a business brings, you know, having employees, trying to deliver services to patients, thinking about the issues that face the business with regard to premises, with regard to staff, all these sorts of things. And realistically, you've not been prepared for that. There are some GPs, I take my hats off to them, who actually get it. You know, they are inbuilt businessmen and they get it and and they know what to do. But most GPs, you know, especially in the model that we employ in this country, it's really lacking in their training that they don't spend more time learning about how to run a business because ultimately that's what they're going to do. I know, for example, that RBP do courses for, I don't know, F1s, F2s, something like that, or newly qualifieds where they try and teach them about tax. But there are some of these more basic, you know, taking responsibility for people, understanding the way you have to deal with employees, especially when you've got the complexity of the NHS contract in place. So, Craig, if we were to ask you to go and see one of our clients who we felt needed a bit of sort of an overview of what's actually going on in your practice, when you go and see them, what do you tend to see in the average GP practice? Well, I think the first thing you have to do, I mean, given the background I come from, the corporate background and the fact that I have been involved in some quite aggressive negotiations, one of the things you don't want to do is you don't want to scare people, you don't want to upset people, right? So when you do go in initially, you're going quite low key. And the initial aim is really to try and understand what's going on. So you're interested in the practice manager, who is effectively the chief operating officer who's trying to keep the place going on a day-to-day basis. You're interested in the type of person they are, whether you think they're under stress, whether you think they're coping, what they're perhaps not doing as well as the practice could perhaps be doing. So you're trying to work out that person and you're also trying to work out who the other key employees are, be they the head of reception, be they, you know, a pharmacist, et cetera, et cetera. But then the most important thing is sitting down with the partners initially, individually, and trying to work out what their aims are, not necessarily their aims professionally, but what their aims are in life. And one of the problems we have in primary care today is the fact that a lot of GPs are coming up for retirement and they're choosing to go early because of the pension debacle. So you've got to try and understand what they're trying to do. And one of the things you often find in a partnership is people are in partnership in name, but they've all got 
different aspirations. They're all aiming at something different. And the first thing for me is to try and understand what they're all aiming at. And, and I ask some, some pretty basic questions, you know, like how much do you want to earn? When do you see yourself retiring? What do you enjoy about your job? All that sort of thing. Now, once I've talk to them individually, you normally find that there are a couple of elephants in the room. There are a couple of them who have things they want to say that they've never said. So it could be as simple as, I really want to retire next year, right? But they've not told anyone. And obviously, if the practice knows somebody's going to retire, they've got a chance of managing to deal with it. If it's sort of foisted upon them, they haven't. Once I've talked with them individually, I always say to them that whatever they say to me will stay with me. I then try and sit down with them as a group. Now, if there are things like retirement, I'll ask whether that can be announced. And indeed, I think about six months ago, I was was in a practice and a key partner really wanted to go. And everybody knew he wanted to go, but nobody had a date. So he named a date. Now, it was 18 months out. He doesn't necessarily have to go at that time. But at last, the practice had that elephant that was in the room open so they could begin to think about what does that mean have we got to find a new partner have we got to find some new clinicians who's going to deal with the pcn who's going to deal with the ccg who's going to deal with locality all that sort of thing so they could plan and and, you know there is a sort of maxim that you know prior preparation and planning prevents poor performance and whilst no plan will survive you know having a plan is a good thing because at least you sort of know where you're trying to go but i think that's the initial stage so initial stages get to know the people talk to the partners, identify their aspirations, and then try and bring that together so that you can give, or they, because remember, it's the partner's business and they have to have ownership. They can get an idea of where they want to go as a group and they can see how they fit into that. And we can try and match their aspirations. It's pretty classic management consultancy stuff at that stage. Yes. So I think that's right. I think the problem perhaps our clients have is that they are just trying to manage the day-to-day running of the practice. So making sure that they've got patients who are being dealt with, whether it be with an appointment or being signposted somewhere else. And actually, I think what may be happening in some of our clients is that they're losing complete focus of the business because they're so involved in the day-to-day running, making sure that they're letters are dealt with and test results are dealt with and all these sorts of things that actually they lose focus and they forget to actually look at the business. And what we've certainly found this year going to see our clients is the focus has been lost. So we've had the COVID years. Most GP practices were fortunate enough to be allocated additional funding for COVID. But of course, we're now out of COVID. So this year's accounts we haven't got the additional funding. And I think some practices have taken their eye off the ball and that funding, even though we did predict it because we do do drawings projections and we did pull all that funding out of the future profit projections. But I think where the focus has been lost perhaps is on the staffing side. So they'd brought in a whole load of new staff to cope with the COVID situation. And really, I think perhaps 
I would suggest that one of the issues is the way the staff are managed and how they work within the practice. That, would you say that? Yeah, I mean, that goes back to the point I made earlier. You know, GPs are working at both ends of the business. They're the front end having to deliver the services and they're back at the back end trying to run the business. And there's a management consultant guru, I think Richard Gerber said, you know, you should go to work to work on the business rather than in the business. Now, GPs don't have that choice. But one of the things that you try very hard to do is to be objective when you look at the business. So there is this whole sort of helicopter view that you should take of the business. So at some point, the GP partnership should be having an away day where they go away, not to talk about clinical matters, but to talk about the business and where it's going. And the idea is you look down on the business so you can try and steer it and guide it. So you remove yourself from that day-to-day pressure. And that's one of the problems, you know, GPs just don't have the time to sit back and look at it. And also they're quite scared of, you know, that's a strong word, but they're quite quite worried, concerned about, you know, losing that sort of impetus in trying to deal with everything because the system is just unrelenting. And at the same time, they've got all this responsibility that is sort of conflicting them. And I think that, you know, as, as it goes on, as we're getting less and less GPs, despite what the government is saying, the system is just beginning to crawl and clog. And you're seeing that at the local level, you're seeing it in GP practices, you're seeing it with the pressure that the staff are under. And I think that, you know, it is a unique position. But I think also the GPs almost need to create some business oxygen to step back, look at where they're going, look at whether it fits with their aspirations. And it might not, but they need to, you know, not keep being caught in that definition of doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting the outcome to be different. But I think, you know, it's a challenging time. Yeah. So would one of the ideas that you might suggest be that, I mean, as we know, most partners in a practice if there are more than, let's say, two of them, or even if there are just two of them, they would allocate sections of the clinical area to certain partners, so different areas of quaff and things like that. Yeah. So with regard to the business side of it, would you also say that each partner should have, so would you expect ideally to see a finance partner, a staff partner, I don't know what other areas. Yeah, I think, I think, do you think the work should be divided like that? It's a partnership, right? A partnership by definition means that people have to share things out, right? And, you know, there must be somebody who's taking responsibility for various areas within the practice. And I think we're going to go on a bit later to some of the things I see, but. You know, there is an awful lot of panic goes on. So when quaff time comes up, everybody thinks, oh, God, we've got to deal with quaff. You know, you should have been dealing with it throughout the year. You should have a system whereby it's just rolling along in the background. So when you get to January, February, March, you're not in an absolute panic to try and get all the points. You know, it's that sort of thing. It's about planning. It's about control. And I think, you know, you can actually hone it all down to three words when you're in a partnership, right? Your partners need to be honest with each other. So let's put honesty out there. So let's all be honest. Let's all say what we think, that we should have respect for each other and all that sort of mindset, right? So if we're honest with each other, that'll drive something called communication. So we're all talking to each other, right? So we're communicating. Everybody knows what's going on. There's like an all-informed business, regular meetings, you know, not too regular because we don't want meetings for meeting sakes, but regular meetings where there's a very formulaic update session gone through. So everybody knows where they are and where they're going and very familiar with it. 
And if you've got honesty and you've got communication, it gives you some semblance of control. So you can then control what's going on because you've got this honesty where people are saying things and not hiding things. You've got this communication where it's all being shared and then you've got that control. And I think the problem is for GPs today, they're absolutely under the cosh, absolutely under the cosh from all sides. And, you know, and the really worrying thing that I'm beginning to see in some of the practices that I'm being asked to go and look at is all of a sudden GPs are not making any money, you know, and scarily so. Right. I think I was told a few weeks ago about a practice that had actually lost money. You know, we've got practices making 20, 30 grand a year per partner, you know, and people are not seeing that. You know, they just think GPs have got a 6% pay rise or whatever it is. They're not seeing that. And there are real hidden issues down there. And, you know, it actually comes down where you sit in a room with a bunch of GPs and they say, what should we do? And the advice has to be hand the contract back and go and get a locum job. You know, because it's that brutal in well, some sad, of these situations. Sadly, now. I have to say a lot of our clients are looking at their accounts and sort of saying, well, we're earning a lot less than our salary GPs. Why don't I do that and Absolutely. hand in and go and be Absolutely. a salary GP myself? But that's not really where we want general practice no, to go. No. I mean, we still believe that the partnership model is the way to go, irrelevant of what West Streeting yeah, sort of I mean, seems to all... think. but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at general practice today, I mean, there are a number of challenges it's facing, right? I mean, obviously, finance is one, right? You've got a GP practice is beholden because of the way its contract works to give its staff whatever the NHS pay deal is, right? But that money's not, as I understand it, not being paid into the GP practice. So whilst you're being expected to pay more money, you're not getting more money from the government to do so. So that has well, to come out of a ever-decreasing purse. To be honest, we are all hoping, but... At the moment, so as of today, it hasn't come through, but the 6% increase that is supposed to be paid by GPs to all staff is supposed to be coming through and being backdated to April. And that should be coming through by means of an increase in the global sum. So nothing has come out of as yet. But we are hoping that at least some funding going back to last April. But a lot of our clients have really struggled. They have already given pay increases irrelevant of this latest announcement, mm. but we've yet to see. But I think it's quite interesting that they've been given money to pay to their staff, but they're still not being given money for themselves. Yeah. And I think that's where you know a lot of GPs are getting disillusioned. And the other area where... I know the pressure is being put on, which is taking time away, is that there's a lot of work being thrown out of secondary care from the hospitals and put onto the GPs. Yeah. So they're having to deal with medications of patients who've come out of hospital or seen a specialist in hospital. And rather than the hospital consultant dealing with medications and things, it's now being put onto the GP. So they are being pushed from all sides. But what do you think of the challenges that perhaps they ought to be focusing on and where do you think they can perhaps I think, look to help themselves? Let's, I mean, let's just step it back one stage. Right? When I walk into GP practices, right, there are a number of things which I sadly today expect to see. Right, I expect to see, sadly, a system out of control, if not on the brink, i.e. just you know, firefighting, et cetera, et cetera. I expect to see poor returns on the investment that the GPs are putting into it, i.e. financial. I expect to see stress. I mean, I have sat in meetings and given my sort of military background where I've looked around and everybody's got what's called a thousand yard stare on them, where they're just 
coping, you know. So massive amount of firefighting, massive amount of coping, four returns, a system that's out of control, and probably most important, the expectations of the patients are above what the system can deliver, right? So the patient is becoming more and more demanding, more and more aggressive, right, and has no understanding of what the system can actually deliver and the way it works. And I think these things then feed into the challenges. And we've, we've mentioned finance, but we've mentioned staff. You know, we've got staff being burnt out. We've got shortages. We've got pressure of work, right? We've got all that going on as well. But then we come back to this patient expectation piece, right? They just expect everything. I mean, I've heard some real horror stories of, you know, the way patients have reacted, how aggressive they are. In fact, I've seen some of it, which is, you know, primarily in when you're in some of the less affluent areas there can be quite a lot of aggression at the receptions desk i mean one of the things i did with one practice was i made the gps actually go and work a reception shift which was an interesting one so they all spent i don't know six hours down at reception just understanding what the receptionists were going through right you know and trying to make the gps understand the pressure the receptionists were under the abuse they were taking just because they couldn't give an appointment or they wouldn't give an appointment because you know the patient was just being absolutely unreasonable but i think also there's a whole load of other things i mean i was in a practice recently where you know it's not going well you suddenly start having a think about this right they're in quite an affluent area you look at their demographic profile they've got quite a high aged population so therefore there are increased needs so what was actually happening was the population was aging the needs were going up there was no extra money coming in because there were no new patients coming onto the list so they were having to spend more money to look after the patients and as a consequence their income was going down and one of the things i said to them was you know your demographics wrong you've got to go out and get some young patients who you're going to be paid for but you're not going to have to deliver that many services. You've got to get that balance right in your practice. And, you know, the practice manager was, oh, right, I'll go and talk to some estate agents. There's some new housing estates being built up. It's that sort of thing, trying to create extra income from as the model was built, you know, the demographic should have been equal. So you've got some people who don't use services, but the GP is being paid for them. So that money can be spent on the people who need it. But there's all kinds of little idiosyncrasies like that within the market. But I think one of the biggest things is, and one of the things I've been talking to people quite a lot about recently, is about training the patient, managing the expectation that the patient has. You know, there's a saying, unfulfilled expectations leads to disappointment. And I think that trying to make the patient understand what's going to happen, how they're going to be dealt with, creates a feeling of warmth for them and begins to help the system in that GP practice move on. But that is a massive challenge because there are a lot of people who don't like change, which can be uh, interesting conversations. So Craig, what do you think from listening to this podcast, our clients can perhaps take away as things that they could look at in their own practice to try and help them get through these challenging times? I think there's a number of things they can do, right? I think the first thing we have to recognise is there's going to be no white knight riding over the horizon in the near future. So I think there's got to be an element of self-help. I think the first thing that people should do is understand the business. 
understand what the business does. And I don't mean just the clinical side, understand how it hangs together, spend a bit of time with your practice manager, interrogate the statistics you've got, use that data. I mean, there's a lot of data coming out of EMIS. There's a it's lot one of, data. of the computer systems. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of data on there. Now, you know, you don't want to drown in data, but there should be some key performance indicators you can use. I don't know, number of patients seen a day, you know, average delay, that sort of thing. You know, who's seeing them? Why are they taking 15 minutes when everybody else is taking 10 minutes? You know, there's some key data in there and that should be used. What you can measure, you can manage. So it's understand the business, spend a bit of time with the practice manager, see what their challenges are on a day-to-day basis. Okay, that's the first thing I do. Just try and understand what's going on and also try and understand the numbers. Right. When the accountant comes in, try and make sure that, that you understand what the numbers mean. And actually, you need to get some up-to-date numbers. You need to be looking at management accounts every quarter to see where you're going. I would say quarterly, because monthly is quite a big job for a small business, but you should have some idea of where you're going. Right. So it's understanding the business. Invest in your people. Right. If you've got good people, look after them, train them talk to them, communicate with them, say hello to them, say goodbye to them, you know, be there for them. It's all about leadership of people within GP practices at the moment, you know, and it's about being present. You know, GP partners need to be present. You need to be seen. You need to be leading. You need to be smiling. You need to be there so that people can see you. You know, we need to make sure that we're not hiding behind telephones. Patients like to see doctors wandering around in GP surgeries, you know, walking backwards and forwards because they get the feeling that the GPs are involved. You know, it's all about sending this subliminal message. And hopefully the patient will then become more relaxed, which will hopefully aid their recovery. But also they'll be more relaxed in the way they deal with everybody at the surgery. So the surgery will be able to manage its load better. You know, so what we're sort of saying there is, is, you know, provide that leadership as a GP partner. But also you need to train your patients right? They need to know what to expect. So they need to understand that sometimes the pharmacist could deal with them, the AMP could deal with them, you know, they need to be signposted in the right way, but they need to be trained and it needs to be explained to them. You know, so that's four things. And in any good list, there's always five. And I suppose the fifth one is know where you're going, have a plan, right? Set targets, you know, people who aim at nothing, hit it with surprising accuracy, set a target, you know, sort of have an idea of what you're trying to achieve, be it that you're going to retire when you're 60 or 55 or whatever. But I think there's a need to look to the future, you know, and I think GP practices are under massive stress at the moment, right? And this is asking them to take on another load. But I think that if you start understanding your business if you start leading you know and i'm not saying that there aren't practices that are really good at this because there are and, and i can think of one that i'm involved with where i'm not quite sure why i'm involved because they're really on it but it is about looking forward it's about trying to do all these things a little piece at a time you know just try and change one little thing you know i don't know the way the language your receptionist use when she picks up the phone there's a really simple tip that before you pick up a phone, you pause, I'll use a military, so you pause two, three, you smile two, three, you answer the phone. Just by that very act of smiling, your voice goes up and people hear that. Now that can take a sting out of somebody, but it just begins to sell that image of the practice where everybody's positive, everybody's present, everybody wants to make sure that their patients are really cared for and that the practice you know, does its utmost for them within the confines of making sure that the business is succeeding. 
So there, there you go. There's my five top tips. I'm sure there's loads more, but I'm just a very simple man, so I can only get to five. Thank you very much, Craig. I think we've probably covered a few areas there and you've given a few pointers to some of our clients who might be listening. And of course, you are one of our consultants. So if anyone would like some help from Craig, do get in touch with us. So for now, we'll say goodbye and thank you very much. You have been listening to RBP's Accountancy on Prescription podcast. For any updates, please visit www.rbp.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at RBPCA. The contents of this podcast is for general guidance and informational purposes only and does not constitute any form of advice. The information provided by RBP is of a general nature. Appropriate and tailored advice or independent research should be obtained before making any decisions. RBP does not accept any liability for any loss or damage which is incurred from you acting or not acting as a result of listening to Accountancy on Prescription.